This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, Please make yourself at home. As always, I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making this program possible. Tonight's special guest is author and editor of Intrepid Magazine, Scott Allen Roberts. We'll discuss his new book, The Rise and Fall of the Nephilim. Where the watchers, UFOs, extraterrestrials, angels, infiltrators, impregnators, or the creators of a slave race, us, and the creators of the Nephilim, Scott Allen Roberts, will be with us shortly. To listen to the full interview and every interview from day one of Veritas, just go to veritasradio.com, subscribe, and take Veritas with you wherever you go. And visit our Veritas store, where you can find MMS, our 8GB USB drives with Seasons 1, 2, or 3, and much more. And if you want to contact me, just click on the contact button of our website, veritasradio.com. Somewhere in a darker past, before the days of modern psychological discipline and scientific advance, we believed that our lives' fortunes, illnesses, and woes were firmly rooted in the spiritual and the supernatural. As we evolved our technology and sciences, we dispensed with our reliance on the ethereal, casting aside our need for gods, devils, and every cast of angel and demon in between. Science and skeptical thought successfully supplanted faith. 
quantifiable fact became the surrogate for the misty stuff of myth and legend. But what if the outmoded, outgrown, discarded spiritualities really do have their basis in some sort of fact? What of these superstitious banalities we brush aside in the broad swath of our skeptical hand are truly the evidentiary stuff of things not seen? The substance of a very real universe that dwells and operates just below the surface of the visible, tangible world around us? What if there really are living, vibrant beings who dwell and function beyond this dimension, and that a seemingly endless list of angelic and demonic beings are not just the stuff of ancient faiths, but very real creatures who live and have interaction with mankind since millennia past, despite quantifiable proof? For the rise and fall of the Nephilim, and much more, Scott Allen Roberts is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. This is Philip Coppens, and you're listening to Veritas Radio. Scott Allen Roberts is the founder and executive editorial director of Intrepid Magazine, a journal dedicated to politics, science, and unexplained phenomena. He's the author and illustrator of The Rollicking Adventures of Tam O'Hare, a historical novel set in Tudor, England, Ireland, and Scotland. He's a radio show host popular public speaker and stand-up philosopher. He has been interviewed on scores of radio shows and was the editor-in-chief of Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters official magazine, Taps Paramag. In his early years, he attended Bible College and Theological Seminary, working toward his Master's in Divinity, but gave all that up for a 33-year career in advertising and publishing as an art and creative director, designer, illustrator, photographer, and wordsmith. He lives in rural western Wisconsin with his wife and children. He's also the author of the book, The Rise and Fall of the Nephilim. Scott Allen Roberts and I will appear at the upcoming 2012 UFO Paranormal Summit in Sacramento, California, June 16th and 17th with other great speakers. There's a banner on our website. And to learn more about Scott Allen Roberts, visit his website at intrepidmag.com. And directly from Ellsworth, Wisconsin, I would like to welcome Scott Allen Roberts to Veritas. Hello, Scott, and welcome. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on, and I know you go by Scotty. May I call you Scotty? <laughs> you sure, you sure can. Yeah, it's the the diminutive people say, but it's uh, it's been stuck with me my whole life. So, <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. Tell us more about yourself beyond the bio I read. I'm curious to know how you came to uh, research this topic. Well, my background is theological. I attended Bible school, uh, college, and seminary, and I was in ministry for a while. 
And this was one of those topics that never seemed to have a solid answer within our theological framework. I was in a very conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian setting. And when I would ask questions about the Nephilim, as I saw them in Genesis, I would never get a satisfactory answer, at least not satisfactory to me. It seemed to be satisfactory within the framework of that theology, but it just didn't go far enough. And I said, there's got to be more to this than that. And so I started researching it out. And that wasn't the only question I had. I had several questions that came up uh, that were things that seemed, I, I would plug them into those biblical mysteries or theological mysteries. And why don't I know more about this? Why weren't we taught about this? The Nephilim in particular is one of those topics that it's connected to the Genesis story of Noah and the ark. And we always learned about Noah and the ark. There was all kinds of schooling on it, teaching on it, Sunday school classes, stuff for kids. It spills over into toys and everything. And yet, the story of the Nephilim, which is really the preamble to the flood of Noah in the book of Genesis, was always avoided. And I, I, I assumed now it's because it dealt with sexual relations. It dealt with the kinds of beings that didn't want uh, many of your churches just didn't want to deal with this stuff. And while I was even in a setting that said, uh, you know, the Bible is our only foundation for faith and practice and they're mm -hmm. fundamentalist, they still avoided some of these topics or they gave them different explanations. You know, it's interesting because you, you're obviously a devoted uh, religious person, but at the same time, you are open-minded enough to, to ask the questions that need to be asked. In the introduction of your book, you, your background is very similar to mine. You know, Sunday school, uh. growing up, asking where do I come from and why I'm here. You obviously realize that growing up, we had filters placed on, on us by what we were learning at the time. When did you start removing at least temporarily, those filters that allow you to see more clearly? Um, I would say, you know, when I, when I was in ministry, this is a few years after I was in seminary, I'd had these questions like I, like I mentioned, and I started saying there's something about this that just isn't right. And I'd say by the time I was 10 years out from seminary, maybe in my, my late 20s, my early 30s, I really started to back off from... It sounds so bad. You know, I backed off from organized religion. I don't want to be one of those guys that says, I eschew organized religion. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that. It was just the settings I was in wasn't giving the answers, and they were blocking the, the questions I had. And after a while, I said, you know, I, I've got to step away from this a little bit. I've got, to, I've got to step outside that box if I want any satisfactory answers. And um, while you're supposed to feel this stuff, and you, you were in it, you know church, uh, you're, and God, you're supposed to feel this, it's supposed to work on your emotions. I said, I, I can't govern the way I believe by strictly faith or emotions alone. Not that those things are bad things. It's that I want to know something. I want to know what's there. I want to know why I should put my faith in this. I want to know what it's, what it's about. Faith doesn't necessarily mean you have to believe something and have absolutely no foundation to what you believe. And I bristled at that notion and started really backing away from, from church, from organized religion, the methodology and the politics of church work. Uh, it, it, all, it all started taking its toll on me. And uh, I used to refer to it back then as Iron Bars Christianity. I said, and I said, I, I just don't want to live that way, and I want answers. So I started looking outside uh, the biblical context to try to find out, is there something else there? And, you know, one thing is not having the answer and, and to admit that you don't have the answers. But 
blocking the questions is something that hit me like a ton of bricks. And the more I was being right. blocked, the more curious I became. What motivated you to, to write this book? Well, this is a topic I'd been thinking about for a long time. And I, I, I don't like doing things just because other people have done them. And I was thinking about a book and I thought, ah, everybody in their redheaded stepson is writing a book. And I said, I don't want to write a book. It was like doing a radio show of my own or doing a uh, a TV show of my own. Or all, all these things were things I toyed with, and I, I backed away from them because I thought, I'm just not going to do what everybody else is doing. There's got to be a reason for it before I do it. And uh, I started studying this stuff, and I said, wait, there's a lot of information out there on the Nephilim, but I think I've hit on some things that are a little different or a little different twist, or at the very least – what I bring to the table is what I refer to as another apple on the apple cart. Um, there's already a full apple cart there, but there's room for more. And somebody else out there listening or thinking about these things, uh, they've got the, uh, the next apple to put on the cart. So I thought, I've got something to say. I want to say it. I want to express what I think about it. And uh, housed within a lot of that is also, uh, I don't think it's so much angst. I was going to say the angst of my my spiritualism. I think it's a it's the quest that I'm on. So I've I've kind of housed that within all of this information to say, look, this is the information that drove my questions. But my questions are based on the fact that it's almost a symbiotic relationship there. My questions are based on not having answers, and the not having answers produces my questions. And so that's really was the drive to write this book. I wanted to find out, dig a little deeper. Um, the purpose of my particular take on this started off as a theological study. I wanted to go into the book of Genesis and the and some of the apocryphal books, the scriptural books, quote unquote, and and find out is there really a basis for any of this stuff that I believe about the Nephilim within the pages of the scripture itself. And so that was really my my starting point. And then it was starting to compare other religions and other other methodologies, other spiritualities, and then bringing in, of course, the whole ancient alien theorem. Uh, you say there, it sounds wacky to people out there that aren't into this. If you if you go up to a common person on the street and you're wearing a suit and tie and you know you look like a normal guy, but you say the words, "Hey, do you believe in ancient aliens?" and they'll look at you and say, "Do you? Oh, why? Why? Yes, I do. I believe there's something there." You're immediately, if not overtly, at least subconsciously, pushed into that whack fringe of society. And uh, so I wanted to combat that by saying there's a common sense way to look at this theologically and start comparing it to some of the things that are out there. I call this more hidden and sometimes even forbidden history yes. or, or archaeology, like many people like Graham Hancock and Michael Crema talk about. But you have the, the late Zachariah Sitchin bringing his, his theories In addition to your theological studies, what are your credentials and what do you bring to the table? Why should people pay attention to your angle of research? All right. Now, now this is one that sometimes people like this and sometimes it gets me into trouble or people uh, pass me off very quickly. Um, I say for all the education I have had and all the schooling I have had, I am degreeless as far as education goes. I went through uh, three years of biblical college, and then I went to a small seminary that was started by people within my church, uh, and very good educated people within my church. And uh, they founded the seminary. They said, come on into seminary. We'll help you tutor you in your bachelor's degree, and let's get you started on your master's in divinity. And so I did all of that. I went there for two years. So out of a, a total of five years of post 
high school education. I have the years of work in the study in, but I have no degree because I just dropped out and I went into advertising. Uh, so um, what I tell people is this. It doesn't take a degree or a certain credential behind your name to think and to research and to study and to look at these things. I, I believe maybe I had a little bit of a head start in that in that uh, my schooling prepped me for being able to study and research and look things up. But uh, I, I'm sitting here right now as a guy that that has not much more than a high school diploma behind my name as far as credentials go. Uh, I've got the years of education, and on top of that, I've got about another 25 years of study and research. And so I tell people, all it really takes, what, what is a guy with a degree behind his name? He's a guy that went to school and studied stuff and specialized in an area. But then if he gets any good or any better at what he is specialized in, he spends a lifetime studying that stuff. And that's really what I've done. So I, uh, that's where I say some people that will turn them off right away when they find out, oh, Oh, this guy doesn't have a PhD. He doesn't have, even have his master's. Oh, my God, he doesn't even have his bachelor's degree. And I say, yeah, you know, I've got almost as much uh, institutionalized education, yet without the degree, and I've done 20-plus years of study on these topics. And, uh, and then it, it's just thinking. It's thinking your way through something. It's trying to come to the bottom of an issue. And uh, I apply the same, if you will, scientific methodology to what I, to, to the way I research. Um, I apply the same thing I would apply if I had a degree behind my name. So what do I bring to the table? I bring, I believe, a culmination of 30 years of study and research. And there's nothing wrong with being self-taught. Self-taught, uh, you know, you have you know, no offense to anybody with degrees. You know, people in academia, they're pretty much com they have compartmentalized knowledge they have to focus on one area and they have to follow the curriculum and if you deviate from that curriculum then you're in trouble so people like you step outside like many other great researchers that i've talked to who do not have degrees i admire their work because they step outside of what academia teaches which in my opinion sometimes they're wrong Well, I, I would agree with you. And I, I know academics. Here's a, here's a for instance for you. Uh, the, the, the gentleman that was the, the dean of systematic theology at the seminary, not that I attended, but uh, the church I went to when I was younger, just before I went to college, um, I read some work that he did on the issue of the Nephilim, the sons of God mentioned in the book of Genesis. And this is a man who, at that point in his life, he was pushing 50 years old then and had been a scholar for 50 years, had written several deep, heady theological books, um, was was uh, teaching systematic theology, and went on to become the, the, the president and dean of another seminary. Um, his take on the passage in the book of Genesis where it says, and the sons of God came down and intermingled with the daughters of men and had children by them. And they were known as the Nephilim, the heroes of old and the men of renown. Now, his take on the Nephilim was this. He said, uh, and I didn't learn this under him. I must have asked him because his son was one of my closest friends through school. And I think I asked him, um, Dr. So-and-so, I said, uh, what's your take on this? And he said, well, it's obviously nothing extraterrestrial. It's obviously nothing other than the sons of the prophets who came down from the school of the prophets. They were the upper classes and they intermingled with the common women down in the valley, down in the lower area. And I, 
And he gave me this long explanation how the, the sons of God were really just referring to other human beings. And there was nothing supernatural about this at all. And I. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.